Welcome back to another edition of the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast with me. As usual? As lately? <laughs> Matthew O'Brien. Matthew O.G. Brian. I like that. So today, today we wanted to talk about the Flyers, but um, it's after last night's game, we were like, no, let's just talk Panthers. Let's give it another day. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that needs to stew for another day to get the the real uh, issues. The Flyers, and, you know, get past the anger. The Flyers just fired Gord Murphy and Chris Pryor. Now, Gord Murphy, I could take or leave. But Chris Pryor was the director of player personnel and the scout and like was one of the main scouts under Hexel that put together this prospect pool. So um, obviously that's probably a loyalty Hexel firing type thing. Um, but somebody's going to get a good, uh, a good uh, quote unquote hockey guy out of this. Uh, so yeah, flyers are in a mess. We'll, we'll deal with them. Let's uh, deal with the more of a mess. But <laughs> yeah. Right. Mess. Less, less strings to untwist and put together and assemble and, and all that. The Florida Panthers, because, of course, they're not doing anything. At least the Flyers are doing something. Um, might not be – we'll see how it ends up. It's definitely interesting. But uh, same old, same old in Florida, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't – I've read a couple of different articles with pretty much the same viewpoint lately about, uh, you know, the safety of Bob Boudner's job this year and – you know, I, I get where some of them's coming from. We've had the sentiment on here, too, that you can't keep going through coaches. You know, this is already Barkov's fifth coach in his NHL career. Uh, but it, it seems weird to me, too, that you're putting out definitive Bob Bugner's not getting fired this year statements a quarter of the way through this season, especially with, uh, you know, probably the Ow. biggest week uh, of the season so far for the Panthers coming up, uh, starting – uh, Wednesday night tonight in Anaheim or against Anaheim uh, and continuing up through uh, I think like next Tuesday or so yeah the end of the homestand six games my question is what happens it's an eight game homestand they had two bad games already yeah they got three points but come on Chicago was in a it should have been four I, I mean, would have been fired let's just say that Vinny Paola would have had to fire someone the first time around you know what I mean and that's another thing that annoys me is oh well they're doing well on the homestand they got three out of four points but that Chicago that's got to be two points you you have well, to lead with two seconds left in the third period it was a bad game it was a it was you can't you can't say you can't say three or four points because no both of the games this homestand so far has been an abject failure look at the people look at the stands. Yeah. This isn't low this isn't like low Florida. This is low for Florida. Yeah, I, I mean the, the, the last like, game was uh reminiscent of that season opener against Ottawa a couple years ago. Uh with you know, not even ten thousand people in this name. They couldn't even announce it at ten thousand. I mean, let's just be let's just be honest. Thank gosh Corey Schneider wasn't in that. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, Taylor Hall didn't have that great of a game. Thankfully, it was just New Jersey. Yeah, and it, it, that train is over with, you know, Anaheim, Buffalo, Tampa, Boston. Uh, We're going to run into a hot goalie tonight against Anaheim. Anaheim did play last night, too, so, uh, you know, you're hoping maybe they're a little tired. They played the better team in Florida 
last night. So, uh, you know, maybe they're going to take the Panthers lightly. And, and really, historically, uh, with this team at least, the Panthers have played the Ducks fairly well. Um, and, and I think that's another frustrating thing about this Panthers team for the last several years is they, they don't play very well against teams below them or, or, you know, low in the standings, but they play fairly well against some of the better teams. Uh, and, and that is pretty much part of the reason why they're not a playoff team uh, year in and year out because they, they can't beat the teams they, they have to beat or they should beat. This week I posted my first article on the Rat Trick. It's a long one. It's like 3,000 words, so go go find it. Go go sit with it. Go read it. Um, on the five steps that the Florida Panthers need to do. Um, summit. It's goalie. It's Capuano. It's replacing Trocheck now. It, it, it was supposed to be get Trocheck going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And now, now we just need him walking. Uh, and then four was uh, making a move. The, the, even even healthy, this talent level of this roster is not there. They need to do something, and it's up to town to do it. And uh, the fifth one was how much time does Bugner get? I think um, my feelings on this Panthers team is known, but I'm I'm interested in. In, in your thoughts, what do you want to talk about this Panthers team? What what went wrong? What do you want to fix? You know, what's the, what wolves being pulled over people's eyes? I mean, I don't know. What do you want to? Well, I, I I want to make a point that much like in other years, you know, you've seen a, a little flurry of trades <laughs> recently, and and you know, teams trying to make some moves, and, and that's always been kind of this Panthers team's you know downfall is that they're they're late to the to the game uh, on just about everything. Uh, they were late to adapt the new uh, the new power play breakout that every team in the league was doing. Uh, you know, by the time they're ready to make a move, uh, there's going to be a lot less teams willing to deal. Um, you know, if you're telling me you couldn't figure out a way to get Strom and, and Perlini from Arizona for what you know what he went for, uh, I don't know what to tell you and. and as much as we've been a champion of Dale Talon on this podcast for, for years, you know, it, it's beginning to see, you're beginning to understand a little more why Chicago let him go when they did. Uh, he's a great builder, um, but it seems like he lacks that final, uh, that final step, that final push to, to take a team over the edge. Uh, you know, you have to do something. You can't just... You can't look at this room and where we are in the standings year after year and say, yeah, we have everything we need. Uh, something's got to be done. And, you know, again, I, I understand you don't want to fire the coach yet. Uh, it was very bold to, to say he's not getting fired at all this year. That kind of ties your hands a little bit. Um, I, I'm almost at a loss for words at this point. You know, you have your top five guys getting almost a point per game right now, which is great. Uh, but then no one else is even close. Uh, and you need to find a way to get that. You know, their whole plan uh, for years and years now has been have four lines that can roll, that are all going, uh, anyone on the ice can score. Well, that's not happening. We have five players that can score right now, and it's Mike Hoffman, uh, Jonathan Huberto, Evgeny Dadanov, Alexander Barkov, and Keith Yandel. They're the only ones that are scoring, uh, and, and they need more help. Yeah. And, and if you're not going to go and, and get more goals, uh, one thing that we've railed against 
quite a lot is you got to fix the defense then or fix the goaltending and not give up so many goals. What is your response to the idea that money is what's playing a part of all this, that other teams either have the money or the willingness to spend the money to fix problems at this point in the season, and and Florida does not. I mean, I don't want I don't want to hear an excuse from the owner that they don't have the money. I mean, they came in when they bought the team and said money's not an issue. They have never held that promise once. Uh, and you know, it's not like we don't know who these guys are. I I know Vinny Viola has a stable of horses. One of his horses won the Kentucky Derby. You think he's not getting millions of dollars in stud fees for that horse right now? It, he has the money, and I don't want to hear that money's an issue. Then sell the team and and get away because. You're not doing the job. You're not doing what you came in and promised to do. I, I, I loved his messaging when he took over the team, and, and now it's put up or shut up. And clearly him and Doug Seafood are never going to shut up uh, when we come at them on Twitter and on this podcast. Uh, so put up then. Put your money up. Do something. I, you know. Well, Doug spend- Seafood just put his tickets up for the most positive message today. Whoever could tweet the most positive message. Oh, boy. We're still a hockey team? We're, there's no relegation in the NHL? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're getting the most positive uh, fan message. When When we started following this team, the amount of p- fans who would be critical who felt comfortable being critical, who felt confident enough in hockey knowledge and knowing the other teams and other managers and other and the history of the league was so small. And what it is now is pretty telling. The amount of criticism you're receiving, the amount of intelligent, reasonable, rational thought paying and paying and supporting and loyal fans are putting into the team is, yes, yeah, somewhat part of what you've done, somewhat a part of what the team has accomplished and just the sport of hockey is able to do in a community. However, you got to make more use of it. you got to do better marketing. you got to stop. Anytime somebody says anything critical, you got to stop getting in such a mood that you have to go so publicly positive and, an almost agit prop well, uh, in the media. Yeah, the next and day. you want fans to be positive, then then give us something to be positive about. Uh, you and, know, and it, not, right right now the message is, oh well, we're we're four points ahead of where we were uh, this time last season. Jameson Cooper, yeah, that's great. Uh, Buffalo Sabers are twenty points uh, better than they were at this point last year. So, you know, I, I can already see the argument of, you know, we're four points better than we were last year. We only missed the playoffs by one point. So that means we're on the on the path to the playoffs. And that completely ignores that other teams are also outperforming uh, their last season point totals. Uh, also and, and they're ignores, ahead of us. It also ignores that it means that for two years in a row, you were around the bottom. of You were like in the bottom five of the league through the first quarter of the season. In two years where you said it would be unacceptable to start slow. So, well, at least this year, it, the expectation was a hot start and it would be unacceptable to start slow. No and you ended up having nothing. the worst start in franchise history, which 
there's been a lot of bad teams that the Florida Panthers have put on the ice in their history, and the, and, and this isn't really is that, one of is that this true is one of their best start or best teams that they've ever put on the ice, and is, it was is the that worst true start. that it was one of the worst that was the worst start? I, I I was I think it was the Senators game that I I had their broadcast on, and they said I, at least through like the first ten games of the season or something, it was the worst. Uh, it was the worst month of October that the Panthers ever had. I mean, they have what two wins? But I mean. I'm sure by some metric that's probably yeah. Uh, I I mean, like two seven and one through ten games. It's embarrassing. I mean, and oh, what a great acquisition Hoffman is. And yeah, Hoffman's great, um, but he's pro. Should they he be resigned? No, he shouldn't be extended. Um, is he playing well within the team? Better now, but not necessarily. Yeah, and that's kind of the same trap that, you that the Panthers well always off the Barkov line because he's not on. He's not a Barkov line player. Because yeah, he's and, not going to do and, on the And playoffs. it's the same trap that they often fall into. Uh, you know, in regards to re-signing guys that have good years. You know, honestly, the best move if if Hoffman keeps up this and you don't make the playoffs is trade him while his value is at the highest it'll ever be. Get a. You know, if, if he ends up putting up. 80 to 90 points this season, uh, you know, you know, 30 to 40 goals. That's worth something to other teams. You can get a top pairing defenseman. Not Adam Larson. You can go get a top pairing defenseman. Although at this point, I take Adam Larson. Not, I mean, he'd be a top pairing defenseman on this team. That's for sure. Yeah. How about um? How about the argument that uh, the, this goalie situation the Panthers find themselves in is um, was un, is you know bad luck it, it, it is what it is it's unforeseen it you know any criticism is twenty twenty hindsight vision. Yeah, I mean I think that's out the window when you can pull up our podcast from uh, the day after James Reimer signed uh, and, and hear our thoughts on it. Uh, I'm not sure they can anymore with uh, <laughs> that's true. Our SoundCloud and our, our but, web. You know, getting when, when it came out, it, it's why are you paying a backup goalie uh, that much money for for that many years? Um, you know, they're going to argue. Well, he was brought in to to be Luongo's replacement. And, uh, you know, he was going to take over the crease, but uh, he's doing that this year, and he's not doing it well. And it was known, uh, and, and, and it was, it was and it's not a surprise. I, I mean, this is the same James Reimer that that played in Toronto and and, and couldn't start, uh, you know, and that was on a Leafs team that wasn't like they are now. The the, the Leafs were around where the Panthers are now at that point, and he and he couldn't do it. Uh, it it's not a mystery. It's not a surprise. Um, it, you know, now it's an excuse of you know they're spending so much money on goaltending and. Uh, you know, it would be nice. Uh, it'd be nice if it was working out, but since it's not, you know, it, it's tough to stomach. It, but it's not like it was. It, I made the point on to you earlier before we got on the air. It's not like it was a, a scratch-off lottery ticket uh, that we found out the price of these goalies. We offered them these contracts, or or we traded for Luongo knowing what his salary was. Uh, it, it, it's it's self-inflicted wounds right there. Uh, and the best franchises find ways to, to move on from bad contracts. Uh, you know, unfortunately, by the time the next expansion comes around, 
uh, Reimer's only going to have, you know, maybe one year left. It might even be after his contract's up. So the buyout's not going to be, you know, the free buyout's not going to be uh, really worth it at that point. Uh, and, and that goes back to kind of you need to put up the money. If he's not working out, he's either got to get sent down to the age. Do you think anyone's going to claim him off waivers if you if you send him down to the AHL? No. No, I, I mean, and if they do, that's problem solved, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So. And, and, you know, they keep saying, no, you know, the goalies aren't – if only we had another goalie that we could bring up that, that was that was playing well in the AHL right now. Uh, would that be Chris Dreger? You know, if if only. Would, uh, would that be Michael Hutchinson? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know who this goalie is. And, and, if, and if again, had the, and again goal, you want to talk about easy. saving money. Uh, Samuel Montembeau doesn't even make a million dollars if he if he gets caught up to the NHL. So, uh, you know, you're, you're spending the one point three on, on but Hutchinson. Matt, but Matt, they're so close to the cap. How could they make all of this work? Uh, it's like it's like people who say that oh like they spend enough on salary like ever pay like ever like look into the details like ever yeah. go into cap friendly and like okay how much do they actually spend how and, how and, much of the cap it is inflated how much of it was you know I mean there's nine million sitting there in in IR money now I don't know but is IR money covered by insurance or the team the I believe that, I believe that's insurance. So I mean that's what nine million on the cap that Florida is currently not paying for every day. And, and being, by day. being in Philadelphia right now, you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, their goaltending situation, and, and is it time to bring up Carter Hart? Uh, and you know the Flyers uh, don't really want to because they wanted him to, if they were going to bring him up, wanted him to be uh, you know tearing up the AHL and and, and doing well and. You know he's off to a, an an average start, and we'll get into that more tomorrow on on why I think that's the case. Uh, but you have the, the Panthers do have a goalie that, that's playing very well in the AHL through a quarter of the season, uh, even with you know kind of splitting his crease with other goaltenders that that are worse than him. Uh, but it, but it's not affecting him, and he's still putting you know getting results night in and night out, uh, and. That's another thing I'm kind of sick of, of, you know, well, we want our AHL team to do well, too, but there's no two. The the NHL team's not doing well. So you can win as many color cups as you want, but if your NHL team stinks, it, it's worthless. If you refuse to bring them up and all they do, all they ever do is win in the AHL, what's the point? And you had a, a similar with Trocek going down. You have a guy in Henrik Borstrom who's got a point per game down there. He makes Michael Haley uh, a, a good AHL player. He, he's making these guys that that aren't very talented talented players in the in the AHL. Uh, look at look at the confidence Haley came came up with. I mean, he was making he was you know his, his first his, couple games was his trying first to make game plays. back. He made the most amazing saucer pass I've ever seen. And if that's not if that's not confidence playing with Henrik Borgstrom, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I almost thought it was Borgstrom, but then I was like, he's a little too short. Also, I mean, I don't think this gets talked about enough. But uh, how's that Colin Seager contract looking when Troy Brower and Michael Haley are beating him out this year? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I think we've mentioned it before, too, but for whatever reason, 
and I'm glad it worked out this way. I really like the player. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, Yuho Lamico is the guy that um, they've they've done right by. Uh, he, you know, he started out in the NHL. I don't think he had a point in his first five games. Uh, uh, I thought for sure that was going to mean uh, he'd be sent down first chance they got. Uh, but they stuck with him and, and in fact, started increasing his minutes, uh, you know, sort of. I mean, didn't even really give him better players to play with. He's, you know, still on the fourth line with, with uh, Troy Brower and Michael Haley most nights, and uh, he's turned. You know, he's picked it up. He, he's played better every game. Uh, they've shown the patience that is the right kind of patience with him, uh, and you can see it in his game. He's more confident every night uh, because the trust that they gave to him. Uh, because you know he was never scared of of making a mistake and that being the end of his NHL. Uh, time this year uh and you wonder why they can't do that with with a guy like dennis malgan uh why why is he find himself back in the ahl uh you know why is he not getting the courtesy of playing through a slump and, and finding his game and that's kind of been the story his whole career anytime he goes three or four games without a point uh he's scratched or sent back to the ahl uh you got to give the guy some time. He's still young. He's still trying to find his game, and especially as a smaller player. Uh, he, he, you need to give him the time and, and, and the exposure to to work through it. Dennis Malgin's an RFA this year. It's important to get him to a point where you can assess his future better and make a solid deal to him because, I mean, in my opinion, Malgin deserves another couple of years around. I mean, at worst, he's a good depth player, extra forward. I mean, and if that's he's an extra forward on your team, I'm really, really happy. And, and it's the perfect example of you know that's the kind of guy. If you want four lines that you can roll, that can all score, that are all dangerous, that's a guy you want in that bottom six. Yeah, he's great on zone entries. He doesn't. He doesn't lack for effort. He doesn't lack for physicality, even though he's small. I mean, he he's fine. I don't see any problem with him. And the issue is they will do this for Lamico. They will do this for people the coach likes, but they won't do it for all the pros- all their prospects. And it, it's hurt guys in the past. Look at Matheson. Because the GM at the time or the coach at the time or whoever – didn't trust Matheson to be the offensive power play quarterback he was supposed to be. They went, got Yandel, locked Yandel in. Matheson hasn't seen offensive minutes since and now has no offensive game, has no defensive game because that was never his strong suit, and they tried to put a block in a circle well, hole. And, 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 and where is he now? AHL, where is he now he, because of it? They're and, putting him on the first line now, finally, and it hasn't worked, but he's, he's still never played – much power play minutes. He's still never really played first pair minutes and everything, and he's still struggling. He's still learning. This should have and, all been done a while ago. He's in his mid twenties. Like yeah, he's and and when he's down in the AHL, he he is the offensive defenseman. So even when he's not in the NHL, you're still not working on the on the part of the game that you want him to play in the NHL, and that's frustrating. And you know, his partner in crime, Ian McCoshin, is around the same point too where he might not ever see the nhl because they, they've never used him he's not ready you, you got a freebie and jacob mcdonald in the offseason on on a streak may i add and 
you snuffed out the flame and you put him in the AHL. He's still doing great in the AHL. Call him up. Use him. He's in his mid-20s. Get something for him. Use him for the year. Flip him. You know? Or just use him. Just use him. Let him be on the team. You can't be understand some of the D we got right yeah, now. Like, I don't understand why Pissick and Petrovic haven't been traded yet. We or, used or at least we used to just get rid of Colby Robot or Drew Shore or whatever. If there are guys who just couldn't do what they needed to do after a while and were in the rumor mill, they were eventually just traded because they weren't a distraction to the team. They weren't and, and, and for scraps too. You know, it's not even like you got anything big yeah, out of them. Like you know, if you get me a couple picks back for Pissick and and Petrovic, or if you package them with somebody else and, and get a goalie or get something, I, I'll be happy. I mean. They take up money, they take up space, they take up development, and they're not playing well. What's the point? What's the point of having these right-handed defensemen who can't play well enough to be in the top four? I don't, I don't understand. They're, they're putting them into the top four. These guys are committing turnovers. They're not playing well. They can't balance the, the weaknesses of Vandal. You always say they have the same type of D. They have the same type of forwards. They, they have too much of the same. There's no diversity. There's no different styles of play. There's no different strategies. There's no everything's the same way all the way through. It's so easy to play. It's so easy to strategize against. And, you know, it's so easy to predict. It's why every year we predict the same things to happen and the same things do happen. And, you know, I'm sure by the end of the year there's going to be a nice big streak. And in the spring we'll be, we'll be saying, how come we're picking 11th or 10th? And we're missing this guy. We really needed a fifth and, or sixth. And, and it's off. and it's all gonna come back to you know the start of the season again. And, and then three years later, you're hearing about this guy. Like who's this guy with 70 points and 70 assists? Miko Rantanen. When was he drafted? Oh, oh, okay. I got you now. See, that's what we're talking about. Like it. Yeah, and where's the last all... cross? Not even not even in our system anymore. And not even doing anything in in Arizona. And, what, you know? and, and I mean, Tippett's having a good year in the OHL, but, I mean, no shit. Well, and, and, Look at his know, age. The, Look who he's and, playing against. Look at his shot. And Those that's goalies the, are awful. The and that's goalies the frustrating thing is, despite his good year, he's still probably two years from be playing in the NHL because yeah, they're going to keep him in the AHL for years. Mm-hmm. Because, you know... By sending him back this year, he's not going to be, uh, you know, developing physically enough. You know, he's not that he's taking it easy, but he's playing easy competition. He, he you know, yeah. He, how is he going to be? Able to the whole problem NHL? with their development is, is they don't get guys NHL minutes prior to you, you know at the beginning of their development to see what they have to work on to see how hard it is to play in the NHL night in and night out and then they're 2 years behind the eight ball by the time they finally get called up to the NHL and they're 24 they only have four more years left in their prime and and that's it you know you know i got an idea i i, I got an idea i'm going to run this by you they're going to they're going to fire talent at the end of the year right the guy I want to be the coach is Ralph Kruger, current exec at Southampton. Or if you won't do, if you won't leave Southampton executive ship for a coaching spot, as he said constantly, 
Um, make him a GM. Make him an executive. Uh, and hire for GM another guy from the soccer world, somebody from the soccer academies. Because the this Florida Panthers team needs to do exactly what you just said. They need to get people minutes. They need to figure out roles. They need to figure out – have different lineup cards, have different strategies, have different um, – be able to carry an 82-game schedule, ba- balance all the all-star breaks, all the different things going on in the season, the off-season training, manage big town, big personalities and stuff. I mean, what and do you it, think about that? And, and isn't that the brilliance of having younger roster players, that you have to be a certain age and a certain experience level to qualify for waivers? So when you have a younger team, you can move these guys up and down and, and and move your you know change your roster within your own system uh, more times than you can by having you know thirty year olds that are that are waiver eligible and and, and UFA eligible. You, you know you look at a team like Vancouver this year who's overachieving right now. They might end up falling back down. You know below where they are now and they're probably not going to make the playoffs they're in a tough division and a tough conference but they did just get better back but they have the ability they have this movement uh, of players that you know and they're growing together as a core uh these young players and, and they're playing with each other either in the ahl or the nhl so they have that chemistry and that camaraderie by the time they're all on the nhl team and that was supposed to be the panthers that was their plan that was what they said they wanted to do uh, but they're just keeping them together uh, in the AHL. Not, you know, they're keeping their NHL team and their AHL team separate. Uh, and they they wait too long to get junior guys up into the NHL or, or into the into the AHL in significant minutes. Uh, you know, Henrik Borkstrom's mostly on the third line still in the in the AHL. What, what's that all about? Before we wrap up, we have, we have a few minutes left here. Um, I think my biggest disappointment and my biggest problem with the overall direction of the team is after the row experiment, you know, you had the old school hockey versus the analytics, everything. I thought it was putting it to bed, taking the best of both and trying to find a new progressive third option to push this team and to, you know, I I know they're not broke. The team isn't broke, but they definitely aren't willingly spending all the money they should to get themselves out of this mess to market this team better to fans to um, have third year. I mean, you know, like just anything to put life into this franchise. It doesn't seem to be there. Um, and you know, where is this new approach? Where is this progressive? Where is pushing the boundaries? Yeah, you know, like I said, they're always behind the, all the time. They're we're always behind the eight ball instead of you know work to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you know, take a risk, and, and maybe that's what you can argue what the computer boys was, uh, but you know it didn't work out, and the excuse is going to be that that set them back they, two years. Wh- why but I don't want to hear out? it because that was a self-inflicted wound again, and that was it, it, that was your own mistake from ownership uh, that you don't want to work to get over and get through uh i think we mentioned it before i don't know if it was on a podcast or just talking about it that you know buffalo took such a giant leap forward 
Because, yeah, they've made some mistakes in the past couple years, but Pagula is willing to just throw money at a problem uh, until he solves it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need when you set yourself back two years. Don't don't ask the fans to be patient for two more years when it was your own damn fault. Uh, you, you know, fix it. Do something. You can't just wait. You can't Because by the time you wait, th- these other teams are now four years ahead of you. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about we could have Kekalainen as a GM. That would be progressive. You know, we're talking uh, and, about and, and bringing heard... somebody in from the European soccer world, bringing in somebody who can take a take the the roster you have and and use it better, use more of it. Somebody who is going to be a coach behind the bench, who's going to know what to do in the middle of a game when you're losing, when and, 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 and who's going to know like... how to different ways to put a lineup together to get different results. If I need to be defensive, we can run this. I can put these people together. If we need to be aggressive, I can do this. If we need to do that, you know, there doesn't seem and, to be And frankly, yet. you know, you can do that. You can change things on the bench in the game with the players you have, depending on, you know, what the score is going to be. Uh, you, you know, like, like the Penguins often do when they're down by two goals, uh, Crosby and Malkin play together. You, you know, you can make those changes in-game too, Coach. Um and the problem is the moves that they do make in game itself fly in the other direction. Yeah, uh, the and, ones, and, the moves that we advocate for, the moves that other teams do and find success. And, and here's one argument uh, to go kind of with your you know European soccer model. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go get one of those guys. Uh, the rumor right now is Joel Quenville when he gets hired wants general manager duties. Uh, as well, he he wants more control over his roster, not not just you know on the bench, but but in the system as a whole. Uh, and maybe that's something you look at: is, is your next coach giving him more power uh, to call up players? And, that's and one way to keep his, the money down and configure his own roster rather than you know you you see it with countless teams. You're seeing it with the Flyers right now. Uh, I think part of the reason Hextall was fired was because. Uh, he wasn't willing to to bring certain players up and, and and you know construct the roster the way that Dave Hackstall wanted it, uh, and that's why Hackstall kept his job right now. I think that's at least you know one of the theories, uh, and maybe yeah maybe the time is you know general managers aren't going to be happy about it because you know someone's going to be out of a job if you give a head coach general manager duties, but maybe that's the next logical step in progression of of hockey as a whole is letting your coach have more control uh, over his roster instead of having to ask his general manager, can you call this player up? Can you, can you do this for me? Letting, letting the coach decide because he's the one on the ice and working with the players day in and day out. He knows what he needs. He he knows his strengths and weaknesses as a team and, and he knows it at the ground level, not watching up in the press box. Safe is death. Stagnant is death to this Florida Panthers team. Um, the lockout is coming. Florida won't make a profit. They won't make any money. They will lose money during the lockout year. They will lose a bunch of money. That will play a big part into how Florida acts in the future. I mean, they are a small market team, so they're always going to be yeah. struggling. And I, I, I say it about younger market. players all the time over, over some of the veterans. And it's the same with with trying something like, like the approaches we just laid out for general managers and stuff. That if you 
do something bold. If you make a change and try and do something, I'm willing to cut you more slack than just doing the same old, same old. If you go for a coach GM and it doesn't work out, I'm willing to, to cut you a little bit of slack rather than what you're doing now. Yeah, and I mean, I think the big difference between, you know, we they did take a risk before, but it was the people they put in place. Talon moving up to president wasn't a bad idea. It was Tom Rowe as GM. That was a bad idea. It was, and then, and they, only was got, coach. they only got outside stats people for business side stuff, for drafting. They didn't really use it for other stuff. It wasn't involved in the coaching aspect of it. You know, like there was, there was a lot of issues. Yeah, they kind of how they implement. It. And, or you could say they didn't spend the money to do it right. They did. They hired friends and family. They, you know, they hired, you know, they did what they had to do to do it on their budget. And it was, it didn't work out. And we're not saying don't ever take a risk again because that seems to be what's happening. They don't want to ever take a risk again. We're saying be smarter the next time you're going to jump off the ledge. Make sure you engineered the wings a little beforehand and you consulted some people outside the organization and you hired the guys who are going to be future Hall of Famers like Joel Quinville to take the risk of being GM instead of, you know, oh, Tom Rowe's going to be GM coach. Because, you know, that, that's going to be a little different than Joel, Joel Quinville. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, what, three times Stanley Cup winning coach. <laughs> and a heck of a mustache. And a heck of a mustache, year-round, right. not just so, in November. So hopefully this will be posted separately today, and tomorrow you'll be hearing a Flyers podcast. Um, so, I mean, we don't really have much more to say. I think Matt made a lot of great points. O'Brien, we got to get you on to talk more about what Florida can do and thinking outside the box because at this point – they're not doing any of the thinking or moving and shaking for so we're gonna have to come up with ideas ourselves. Um, I'm an ideas man, Tom. <laughs> I think you've proven that. Good night, good hockey. Talk soon.